Welcome to Living in the Stacks, the bi-weekly podcast where we curl up with a good book and discuss what we thought of it. I'm John. I'm Melody. I'm Max. I'm Dexter. And I'm Diana. And this is the end of our first cycle, I called I call it in the sort of Hooray. notes for the show. Yay, uh, we made it. I've officially read more books than I probably have read in the last three to four years. Right? <laughs> and it's been wonderful. It has been. And uh, this time around, uh, well, before we get into the actual introduction and some information on the author, do, do we want to do any catch up any other reading we've done? No. no. <laughs> I've been kind of working through his dark materials alongside okay. what we've been reading. And The Looking Ooh. Glass Wars. I have ADD, so I'll read, like, three different things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Nice. Dex- Dexter's taking the initiative. I'm, uh, I'm reading Dexter's my Bible not. right now. Because oh, I'm neat. weird. Um, I did grab uh, The Shape of Water from the library, but I never got a chance Ooh. to read it. Apparently, Guillermo del Toro adapted his script into a novel, and but I never got a chance to read it, so... I have no idea how good it is. That'll be fun. So this time around, we are covering, um, I decided to go short, but really prescient. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Very heavy. Um, I I believe I messaged you about that earlier this week. Yes. um, I even posted a status about it too. Damn. (laughs) Uh, I decided to pick... George Orwell's Animal Farm. I thought because it was one of my favorite books. Honestly, I love it's short. It's a nice short read, but it's also really well put together. And then, you now the more I thought about it, the more that 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 sort of um, premise rings true in the. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a little this, uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I have a few new uh, nicknames for current political figures. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. So, uh, with that in mind, let's get into the the man himself, George Orwell. Oh, uh, this guy's turning over in his grave right now. Oh, he 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 he's more like see see. I told you. I twice. told you. Um, he's actually he's best known as a British uh, journalist and author. And he's most famous for Animal Farm and the much longer um, and much more iconic uh, 1984. Which uh, will probably be covered at some point, too. Exactly. Maybe yeah. later. Uh, yeah. Um, his, his actual Depending name... Depending on, ne- on how the next couple weeks go, maybe it'll, it'll fall under historical fiction. Anyway. Nervous laughter among the crowd. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Orwell was was born June twenty fifth, nineteen o three, but his name is not actually George Orwell. Uh, you know, shock yes. of shocks, he went by a pen name. His actual name was Eric Arthur Blair, born in Eastern India, uh, as a, as a in the British colonies. There, uh, he was educated in England, and after he left the the school the British school Eton, which I only know as a crossword clue. <laughs> That's the only I have no I know I know it's like really highbrow yeah, and like pronounce it Eaton yeah it's where it's where the princes went exactly mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I only I only am aware of it through crossword puzzles <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so he, uh, after he left Eton, he joined the Indian Imperial Police in Burma, uh, which is present-day Myanmar, and then uh, and and was then a British colony. He resigned in 1927 okay. and decided to become a writer. Uh, in 1928, he moved to Paris, where he, where lack of success as a writer forced him into a series of menial jobs. Oh, isn't that the isn't that so how it always goes? Um, please don't mess with my atomic lighter. <laughs> Dex found my uh, electrically charged uh, atomic lighter, which Dex, uses an arc. Don't set the world on fire. <laughs> it, it'd be better off than where we are right now. Anyways, cut script. Moving on. My <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh oh. Napoleon Secret Police has found Max. Shit! Foreshadowing. Oh, yes. We are in the Matrix. Anyway, uh, he described his experiences at, in those jobs in his first book, Down and Out in Paris and London, which was published in 1933. He took the name George Orwell shortly before its publication. This was followed by his first novel, Burmese Days, in 1934. He's an, he, he was an anarchist in the late 1920s, and by the 1930s, he had begun to consider himself a socialist. In 1936, he was commissioned to write an account of poverty among, uh, among unemployed miners in northern England, which resulted in The Road to Wigan Pier. Wigan Pier? I'm not familiar with Britain, so... Um, it's either Wigan or we, Wigan. Uh, W-I-G-A-N. The husband um, is in a different room. I cannot ask him. Uh <laughs> Wigan Whoops. sounds right. Anyway, uh, late in 1936, Orwell traveled to Spain to fight for the Republicans against Fran Franco's nationalists. So he actually took part in the Spanish Civil War. How about that? He was forced to flee in fear of his life from Soviet-backed communists who were suppressing revolutionary socialist dissenters. The experience turned him into a lifelong anti-Stalinist. Mm -hmm. Between 1941 and 1943, Orwell worked on propaganda for the BBC. In 1943, he became literary editor of the Tribune, a weekly left-wing magazine. By now, he was a prolific journalist, writing articles, reviews, and books. In 1945, Orwell's Animal Farm was published, so this was actually much later in his career. Uh, yeah. A political yeah. fable set in a farmyard, but based on Stalin's betrayal of the Russian Revolution. It made Orwell's name and ensured he was financially comfortable for the, rest, for the first time in his life. 1984 was published four years later. Set in an imaginary totalitarian future, the book made a deep impression with its title and many phrases such as Big Brother is Watching You, Newspeak, and Doublethink, entering popular use. By now, Orwell's health had, was deteriorating and he died of tuberculosis on January 21st, 1950. Ah, the consumption. So he only, he'd never even made it to 47. He was 46 when he Bummer. died. Wow. Yeah, and that and that and it's interesting to know that his the, his last two works were the big ones before he died, and what he's most famous for. Wow! But he's been writing since the since 1933, uh, you know, a couple decades prior, maybe a decade and a half, mm. and it just he's kind of like almost the stereotypical starving author. Yeah. Because how many authors have also mm -hmm. suffered through something mm -hmm. along those lines? There was a, I don't know if it was in anybody else's book, but at the beginning of mine, there was a article from the London Times Literary Supplement uh, from 1954 that was kind of, it was actually really well written and it was very refreshing for me. I was really excited about, like, ooh, this is nice writing. Um, yeah, very, but it was very pretty classy. much, it was pointing out that 
Uh, this book came out during the same month that the U.S. dropped the atomic bomb on Japan. Oh, damn. And it was drawing some really interesting uh, comparisons. And I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go into the whole thing because it's, it's a little long, but... Yeah, it was a really cool review, and they they were debating about whether it's a fairy tale or uh, if it's something more than that or that kind of thing. So it was was really interesting to hear how it was placed in actual times, like how people from back then kind of received the book and perceived it. I remember um, uh, early on, like, the publishers didn't want to post it because this was actually both this and 1984 were banned under communist rule in Ru- in Russia during the Soviet in the Soviet Union specifically until the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of of the USSR. That is not shocking at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, and but even at the time, like publishers were very uh, concerned about posting this very because stop. This is this came out right after Stalin was one of the Allied forces. You know, yeah. he was a leader of an Allied nation at the time. So to right. have released this at that point in time was very was very concerning for the publishers, and they were um, they were uh, they, they were um, nervous. Nervous, That's especially fair. since it would mean there would be no sales in Ru- in anywhere with Russian influence. True. Yeah. No. So that being said, we'll uh, t- we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll discuss the. Sh- we'll have a pretty short discussion. It's a sh- it's a short book, but it has a lot of a lot of stuff going for it. A lot so. of elements. It's lean but meaty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we'll be take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be discussing George Orwell's Animal Farm. Hooray! The four of you enter a dark room lit only by two torches. In between the torches stands a robed figure in a long, with a long white beard. Greetings, travelers. The fate of the realm is in your hands. What is it that you require? Uh, well, I was just saying that I probably could use an insurance policy on the realm as a whole, because if we're the ones saving it, uh, I, I may be getting a chance to cash that in. You know, I was just wondering, um, how intelligent can some of these creatures be before it gets weird if I eat them? Pit DM would be really nice. Oh, I guess it's my turn. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) No, keep that one. Yeah, use that one. Join our bumbling protagonists as they try not to die, and maybe save the world in the process. Welcome to Tragic Missile. something yeah. this is something all right in retrospect I, I forgot how just how just how prescient a lot of the stuff in this book is yeah I'd never read it before so this was like an yeah. entirely interesting experience for me okay <laughs> yeah 
Ditto. I, I didn't read it. I didn't know any of the plot or the characters. I just knew it was about animals and communism. <laughs> I had read it in middle school, and um, the one thing that I kind of pulled from reading it now versus then is that back then, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I completely forgot the entire plot because it was, you know, uh, probably almost 20 years since I've read it. And now, without even, like, I didn't remember anything specific from the book, but I knew what was going to happen because I'm a worldwide 30-year-old woman now. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it says a lot about our current world and yeah, the politics sure of it. Kind of know right from the very start with the major and his speech that shit's gonna go sideways in a hurry. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and that's the thing is, and that's kind of the sad thing about history is that it tends to repeat. It, things tend to repeat themselves unless they unless there's actual drastic change. There is nothing new under the sun. They are too damn dumb to change. But this is not. We're trying to keep this from from being too much of a political podcast. But you chose this book. You literally chose this book, <laughs> and you're trying to keep it from being political. Uh, I'm not. What? I'm trying to have. What? A, I don't want to spend the whole podcast <clears throat> making comparisons to the current administration. But I mean, like it, I those said, comparisons are there. I have some new nicknames for the current administration. Spoiler. I think we will uh, attempt to be stressful. Because he's not smart enough to be Napoleon. Stressful oh. About. <laughs> I think we'll try uh, to be respectful, but we won't be balanced. <laughs> yeah. Don't, we, so, we don't pull our punches here. Fair and unbalanced. If you expect balance, don't listen to that. that. Um. <laughs> Content warning. This is a discussion between five fairly liberal individuals. Yeah. <laughs> you have been warned. Um, so I did post... Uh, in our group that the discussion that I kind of wanted to lead with and uh, before we get into that I did want to kind of go into the direct correlation because I mean that's the thing and we're in looking into the book and the actual connections with Russian history it's nearly a one-for-one one in a lot of places I believe that so you start off with old major he's clearly Karl Marx um, the initial revolution against uh, Farmer Jones is the October Revolution in 1917 because mm -hmm. there was the February there were two revolutions in that year the February one and the October one the October one is the one that overthrew the czars um, Snowball is directly oh is that oh sorry uh, we have a we have a guest we have, we have a, my wife is a history buff and yeah. she is in the room with us and she is saying no. hello Stacy. Oh, it's the opposite? Hi, Stacey. So February overthrew the Tsars and the October Revolution... That was the Bolsheviks. Okay, that was the Bolsheviks taking control of the government. Right, Got it. right. Sweet. Thanks to our resident histor history... Yeah, the background. Person. She was a history major and a Russian mi almost minor. Nice. Ooh. So... This is very apropos. We might get you a pair of headphones, babe. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we can always cite back to uh, Stacy if we need to... Uh, confirm anything so yeah mm -hmm. um, but yeah that initial revolution on the farm is directly tied to the October revolution specifically uh, snowball is is a, is a correlation for uh, mainly Leon Trotsky more than Lenin but uh, mm -hmm. Trotsky aligned himself with Lenin opposed to Stalin who is Napoleon I right. like snowball 
Yeah, I, I, I liked Snowball too. Um, he he was a, very com- comparably more progressive. Exactly. Yeah. Very more in line with not the ideas a, of the of the socialist state. And not Absolutely. as much of a dick. Yeah, but we'll get into <laughs> some criticisms he, I have He Snowball. is still a pig. Yes. Well, yes. Uh, the Battle of Cowshed is actually tied into the Allied invasion of Soviet Russia in 1918, ah. which was when the Allied forces in, I believe, World War One. Hmm. Was that right? Okay, not not tied to World War One, but uh, it was during the Civil War. Okay, so that was t- more tied into the R- the Russian Civil War. This is why we. This is why it's good when we have. A history major in the group, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that Allied invasion of Russia is the farmers trying to recapture the farm after the Bolsheviks took con- uh, well, the pigs took control, i.e., the Bolsheviks. Uh, the pigs rise to power, and their control of the farm is the rise of Stalinist bureaucracy. The snow- snowballs escape after being chased by the dogs is Trotsky's exile. Uh, the hens rebelling against. Napoleon for stealing their eggs was an actual, uh, well, actual like uh, re- re- sort of rebellion. Um, the Kronstadt Revolt is what I found in my in, in my research, which was um, uh, which was a port town and, and a group of I believe sailors uh, were revolting against uh, Stalin Stalin and his bureaucracy, and not uh, I believe. Uh, it was pay, or something, yeah, something like that. Uh, but basically, uh, sailors in the poor town of Kronstadt were uh, were rebelling against Stalin, and he kind of just, you know, brought the hammer down on them and kind of. He was good for that. Yeah, uh, the building of the windmill is. Uh, there were these things that Stalin had called five-year plans, which were uh, oh. basically plans to improve Russia, but they never. But they were just required mainly everybody working for little food and almost no pay. And, and and of course the dogs are his secret police. Even down to like the animals confessing their crimes after uh, the hen's rebellion was a reference to Stalin having show trials as a means of saying, look, we're re- weeding out corrupt, you know, we're reading out uh, enemies of the state. Hmm. Yes? Nope. I saw your hand go off. Okay, no. <laughs> okay. Yes, class. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm I'm looking over to Stacy to keep keep things uh, uh, correct. But um, then, of course, the Battle of the Windmill, which was the second time the farmers tried to get into Russia, was more of a reference to World War II. And mm-hmm. uh, the and um, there were even things like trade with Wimper, the guy who would bring in stuff. With them, the reason he kind of started trading with the outside world was a reference to the Treaty of Repet. Uh, Rapallo, um, with even and then and the things I saw were like mentioning the forged banknotes as a reference to the German Soviet pact between Hitler's Germany and Stalin's Russia as a sort of like, uh, like a, like a you know a treaty of like a, a peace treaty essentially, and then uh, you know the banknotes were forged was a means of saying. Oh, he's our enemy, and then we, and so the, the pact was broken. Hmm. And then, of course, the ending scene itself, where all the humans are meeting with the pigs, is a reference to the Tehran conference between uh, U- the U.S., U.K., and Ru- and the USSR, and hmm. specifically Stalin 
uh, Roosevelt and Churchill. And so this was actually, I mean, in retrospect, this is actually just as critical of West of the Western powers as it was of uh, Stalin Stalin's power Stalin's right. power in the Soviet Union. Right. They do not talk kindly about the farmers at all. Any of them. Yep. So I did have some idea, some main points of discussion. Uh, mainly, what did, what did we like most, and what did we like least? Just an aspect of the book in general. We'll get into characters and scenes in a bit. It was, I liked that it was approachable, mm-hmm. I guess, yes. in the sense that it um, kind of put all these super complex political ideals into a format that someone who didn't necessarily study politics could still approach and right. not feel like they're being... Uh, uh, talk down to or condescended to. Mm-hmm. Even, remo- even removed from political history, it's still an, a, a really interesting story. Right, because, like, that, and, and, and it, it tr- it's transferable because, yeah, yeah, all these things related exactly to actual historical events in Russia, but you see a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. the, like, um, between the book and things that are happening happening currently like it's it's scary and ridiculous like it mm-hmm. it, it, it I almost took it as just as much a, 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 a not a, a dig on capitalism as it is on communism oh yeah absolutely yeah there's a there's a lot of parallels I like that you didn't you didn't have to have any of the historical context to actually enjoy the story. Exactly. Because uh, yeah. again, that's not my strong suit. But uh, I had to read this in high school, and I had a teacher who wanted to focus so much on its historical fiction, its its historical significance, um, that that I just I totally tuned her out, and I couldn't have cared. So I was just confused all the time because she kept saying. Oh, well, Major is this person, and this is this person. And I was like, can I just read this story so I know what happens? And and yes. so getting to read it now um, with today's context was a lot more enjoyable, albeit a little frightening. And then, and then to go read, you know, like the Wikipedia article about, you know, this is what this meant to symbolize. And that made it much easier to digest and understand and appreciate. Uh, but you didn't have to have that to to be able to yeah get I, it. I also agree and i think what was nice about the book is that it's a really good starting point to get people to talk about their um their views on politics just in general how they feel about the world how the world should be like what do they actually value and you know it doesn't because it's not uh identifying specific uh, parties or using all these buzzwords like you know liberal conservative that are just so loaded since it's removed from all that it's a really good way just for people to kind of see like well wh- what do you value and also at the same token um, I know in the past I've said about my whole dislike of animal stories <laughs> but I think the 
the disbelief, uh, like the suspension of yeah, disbelief here, that. the way that it's written, it's fine. Like I don't have a problem with it, and I don't know. It's just the way that it's uh, presented. I guess I'm I'm okay with it. Like how it's more mm. of a like how it's more of a fable than an actual like trying to. Yeah, it's anthropomorphized animals. Yeah, it's it's a little more. It's right. not about those concrete actions necessarily. Like you're not focusing on the way they're moving, the way they're talking, the way they're living. Like they're essentially living as humans. <laughs> Just so you know, you feel like you're you're really reading a book about complex human relationships, and it's not like just a silly animal story. <laughs> so I appreciated that. Uh, I think for me, uh, did, did Max go? No, did, did, no, did you? Did you say your? Right, right. I did. I did sort of um, offer some of my thoughts. I mean, I sort of sort of interrupted you, Dex. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, for me, it, uh, I did like the not so subtle. Dra- my, I think honestly, my favorite part is the not so subtle jab at the sort of upper cr- upper class. Um, not only in, but I, I just that upper class mentality, not specifically for Russian history, but in just like in every society, there's always going to be those people who think, well, we're just smarter than everybody else. And by making them pigs, it's kind of like almost, even though pigs are wildly intelligent, they are also connotated with being greedy, with being slovenly, with being sort of um, these, you know, these sort of. Uh, repugnant. repugnant creatures. So the idea of saying these people who think they're so much better than everybody else, uh, you know, in in our societies are like, yeah, you're just a bunch of pigs who are, you know, self-serving and greedy ultimately. Uh, but for me, I think honestly, one of my least favorite parts, in so much that I thought there was something more that could be done with it, was the Mo- Moses the cr- the Raven. Moses the Raven, I thought, would have been right. a perfect correlation to how religion plays into these sort of sorts of um, sorts of uh, societies and how his talk of right. oh there's going to be a, you know his talk of a wonderful heaven after you die and I thought there should you know there should have been more of that like he builds up a following at some point and maybe Napoleon has to bring him down or something but that never really goes anywhere with that yeah I kind of feel like mm-hmm. there was a ball dropped with Moses like and near the end when he comes back and um, you know the pigs openly scoff at him and his I, in his talks of what is it sugar candy mountain kind of candy oh, mountain um, Charlie <laughs> yeah Charlie go on an adventure <laughs> anyways um, <laughs> um like it, it, it kind of like stuck out to me that you know, the pigs openly scoff him, but they, they've proven that they have no trouble driving animals out if they're going to be a nuisance. So they purposefully let this, uh, this crow or raven stay around and spread these, these ideas of heaven. And it kind of makes you think, like, makes you think of current uh, uh, political things where, you know... Uh, 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 certain parties who shall remain unnamed lean heavily on religion in order to 
ascertain the 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 uh, the, the compliance of their uh, 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 base mm-hmm. of their base. To to flip this observation around on its head, though, do you think maybe Moses? I mean, I don't know much about the history and the culture. Uh, <laughs> do you think maybe? The reason Moses isn't used much is because maybe in those historical uh, events, maybe religion wasn't as tied to politics as it is in the U.S. currently, and like we're just expecting it to be that way because that's our normal. It could be. I mean, all every time you read, your perception of the book is colored by your own. Mm -hmm. So no one, in in reality, no one reads the same story the same way. So yeah. Yeah, definitely not refuting yeah. it. I'm just wondering, maybe. Right. Oh yeah, and I, that would probably that may be a thing because I mean, there's so much time, like even to the minutia of what was going on at that time period. Orwell pays such close attention that I'm assuming it. That's probably why Moses isn't used as predominantly in the story because, um, per, perhaps the church at the time was maybe didn't play as much of a part in his administration. So. But that's, you know, that's more for uh, an actual, like, historian sort of comparison thesis. But, yeah, it's just something that I thought, if you were to expand on the book, then that would be something to consider. Right. Like, my my thing with Moses is that, like, he could have stayed out of the story altogether and I wouldn't have noticed noticed the difference. Exactly. His coming back really didn't add much of anything. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, he's gonna, it's going to be something like they're all going to be filled with, with the wonders of Candy Mountain. They're going to start killing themselves. And I knew that wasn't going to happen because I would have remembered that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, that's, that's where my brain was going. It was going in a real dark place as soon as, like, this religious element was added to it. Yeah. Wow, that's telling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it, it's something that maybe if he had written it, Maybe this was written in today's uh, political climate that that would play more of a part since it used to be that religion and politics weren't as intertwined, but now and it shouldn't be. But uh, but within the last within our lifetime mainly, uh, it has reached that point where they are almost intertwined, and it's and that would play more of a part in a modern day in a in a in a modern day sort of retelling of the story. But uh, the other one I wanted, to, the other topic I wanted to go into, as far as favorites and least favorites go, is uh, characters and scenes. So for me, my favorite character was well, characters because they're a duo are Boxer and Benjamin. Yeah, I like yeah. Benjamin. Yes, Bo- they're great. I love they're Boxer because he just represents that sort of idealistic mentality. And, and even, uh, buddy, he still reaches a point where even he has to be like, now wait a second. And he's always kind of he he could easily be sort of like the focus character in a in an adaptation with Benjamin being the the, oh, yeah. the cynic who's just like whatever. I think that's why I like Benjamin. <laughs> and then uh, my favorite scene would be the final scene. Oh, I, where, they're... where they're the the, the 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 word usage that Orwell uses in describing the meeting between the humans and the pigs is really just I love that part and it's the part that every the both of the main adaptations that are out there that I also watched in preparation for this which I'll get into after we finish the discussion mm-hmm. but both parts 
undermine completely. Both adaptations have completely mm-hmm. undermined that part, and it's it's such a beautiful sort of just you know um, foreboding message that Orwell has become famous for. Yes. Oh yeah. It, it's it it, it kind of shows how with with the the the, the right kind of enthusiastic talking like figure Napoleon and then by extension uh, Squealer can manipulate a population into thinking that their situation is better than it was just by virtue of being different than it was when in reality they were far better off under Jones in the long run because they weren't Mm -hmm. constantly being threatened by you know these nine brainwashed dogs and you know they 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 at least had some sort of like the retiring age and whatnot mm-hmm. but you know squealer which is my new name for the uh, dolton chief um cuz he's not smart enough <laughs> to be napoleon come on. you know i thought um, it was Sean spicer no, no. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be that'd be He's another. Giving out all the uh, fake news. That'd be that would be the closest. Yeah, be that would be the closest yeah. in uh, in comparison mm-hmm. to the hierarchy. But yeah, at the same time, <laughs> if you're talking about personality. Yeah. yeah. And where does Sarah Huckabee Sanders come in? Anyways. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, I, I what is anybody else's? Because uh, that's the thing. Squealer is my least favorite character, oh and I God. think that's by design. Mm, yes. That, yeah, that's probably the point. Right, right. Because well, this thing, to Napoleon is, yeah, Napoleon is the despicable one. Napoleon is the main one in charge, but Squealer is just the two-faced rat, even Na- though he's a Napoleon pig. Napoleon is Voldemort, and Squealer is Wormtail. Pretty much, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, Wormtail or Grimma Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. He's that mouthpiece mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. that that spits nothing but lies. Yep. Yeah, and. That's, mm-hmm. I, I think that's why Napoleon, at least, you know where he stands. Squealer, you just, you just can't buy into anything the, the guy says. And I think that's why, mm-hmm. that's why by design, he is the most, one of the, he's almost as despicable, if not more, than Napoleon. Yeah. Depending on what you find right. more despicable. And then, of course, my least favorite scene in that same vein, only because... Not because it was bad, because there I don't know if there would be bad scenes in the in the book, but Boxer's death. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a bummer. And And then Squealer's subsequent yeah, like, report of it. I was there when he died. He said, Long live Napoleon and it's like Barf. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, how about uh y'all, uh any favorite characters or favorite scenes? And something. I I think my favorite scene was um, Clover standing on the hilltop and just crying, because something something that sometimes get lost gets lost in historical reports, historical records, is just the emotional impact that such drastic changes as revolution, political upheaval, the the emotional impact it has on a population. Like when, like imagine how we're living today, and the amount of stress that 
pretty much everybody is feeling and can you really blame them yeah. but yeah I liked uh, I liked Clover, Clover is, I liked she her was too. really interesting and th- that's another thing I'll talk about in the adaptations is poor Clover kind of gets the shaft in, in, in both of them because I feel like like I was already picturing in my head how to adapt it because that's how my brain yeah. works and my immediate thought was Clover, Benjamin, and Boxer are the main leads. Mm-hmm. You follow them, mm-hmm. and then the and then the pigs are the ones that you see and how it affects their lives. Specifically, Clover, because Clover's the kind of audience surrogate for mo- for the most part. Yes. Which is oh, interesting because yeah. yeah, it's a female horse, and that Orwell went with that instead of say Benjamin or Boxer. Mm-hmm. You know. I think Benjamin is a little too. Benjamin kind of represents the. Folks that know that shit's going to hell in a handbasket fast, but are resigned to the fact that there ain't jack shit that can be done about it, and life sucks, we're all going to die anyways. Yep. Very nihilist, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there you that's go. just a lot more dark than the general population is able to go. And Benjamin is kind of the exact opposite. The ever the Bo- optimist, boxer. the boxer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I meant boxer. Yeah. I'm a dumbass. <laughs> Um, You're a Benjamin. I am. A <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 no nodding from the peanut gallery. <laughs> Although I think it's interesting not to bring that up. I think it's kind of funny that he made Benjamin the cynical nihilist, the jackass. Ha! <laughs> He's an Eeyore. Ah. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Oh, Eeyore. Yeah, if Eeyore was, was hateful, then... No, he's Fair. too bitter to be an Eeyore. Yeah, he's like if Eeyore was super bitter and jaded by life. I mean, there's no politics Even, like, in Winnie the Pooh mm. world, though. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> probably better that way. Oh my god, the politics of <laughs> Winnie the Pooh are amazing. Tangent? Uh, uh, yeah, no, watching Winnie the Pooh as an adult is just pure delight. And apropos of nothing, I'm actually excited for that uh, movie they're doing with Ewan McGregor as adult Christopher oh, Robin. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I'm oddly curious about it. <laughs> Brad, uh, Brad Garrett. I'm, I'm worried it'll be another Saving Mr. Banks, but Brad we'll Garrett is a goes. great Eeyore voice. He is a wonderful choice for Eeyore. Uh, anyway, um, anybody <laughs> else have a favorite character uh, or scene or maybe least favorite that they want to talk yeah, about? I'd, I'd say favorite character, probably just from a point, you know, you said as the audience surrogate, would be Clover. Um, just because it's the only person who's like, you know... I thought I remembered that being this way, who's like kind of resisting the gaslighting. Uh, And (laughs) I I respected that. Um, Least favorite, probably Squealer, because I can't. Like, it's one thing when, like, your leader is shitty, but, like, when there's someone actively acting as a bridge in between, like, a leader and its people to try to influence people in a certain way. That Uh really just grinds my Uh gears. He's the guy who's giving a drunk a drink. That's who Squealer is. And then telling everybody, no, no, it's cool. They're good to drive. The whole election business was happening when I was teaching. Um, And so we ended up, even though I teach Japanese, we ended up getting into lots of political discussions because they'd use Donald Trump as a subject in their sentences and things. (laughs) Please tell me what, tell me what, what is a piece of shit in Japanese? Please tell me that's what. Well, news is a great way to learn a language. Yeah. And I, you know, I did make sure with my students that I was like, hey, if anyone's uncomfortable with talking about this, please let me know privately. You don't have to say it here. So it was, it was responsibly handled. Uh, Melody is good. good 
Because um, one year we did have, like, uh, Japanese populations, mostly very liberal people, just because of the nature of the people who want are interested in it. And there was one year I had, like, two kids that weren't, and I just had to not do anything. But, uh, where was I going with that? Oh, since I was teaching, um, we'd get into theories about, well, you know, that was back when people were like, well, Trump can't win. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's look at it this way. Like, if Trump wins, what do you think the chance of people, him having a strong support structure around him will be? that, like, he can actually do actual harm. Because I was trying to be like, oh, well, you know, Congress is a thing, and, you know, his the, his advisors and things, they have to also be capable. So I was trying to give a little bit of a half-glassful attitude toward it. Uh, yeah. But he ended up scraping up enough people where he's doing some stuff. But I think, you know, I think people are falling away now, and I, I think... You'd like, think, Napoleon but... was only successful because he had the rest of the pigs around him. So I hate all those pigs around him. Yeah. Right. That was another right. thing that was missing from both the adaptations. Not, I guess I'll just sprinkle it into the, whenever it comes up in the conversation. Might as well. Uh, I watched the, um, the first, who did the first one? It was a 1954. So about the same time that uh, that piece you read was written, Emily? That Melody. Who's Emily? I don't know who that is. That's Melody. Who's Emily? There is no yeah, Emily here. talking to my mom. That's my mom's name. I don't think she's part of this. Um, uh, Melody. But yeah, about the same time that uh, that piece was written for the, tri- what was it, the, tri- the Tribune? The Times. Not the Tribune. Uh, the Times. The London Times. There was, an ad- there was an adaptation by, I believe, a French, French? British-American. Okay, it was British-American. Um... It was it was really cheap. Like there was one narrator who did all the voices, and it was that sort of '50s era of not fluid, not the most fluid animation, a lot of repeated stuff. But I think it captured the the feeling of the book more. But that one, and then the one that Hallmark did in 1999, which has Patrick Stewart as Napoleon, Kelsey Grammer as oh Snowball, mm-hmm. and. The late Peter Ustinov, Ustinov, uh, he was the he was King he was King Rich, King King Richard, I think yeah King Richard the Lionhearted in the Disney uh, uh, Robin Hood. Uh, he played Old Major, and then you had uh, Julia Ormond as the dog Snowbell, who is now the surrogate audience character and the narrator, huh. and not Clover for some reason, but. Huh. Anyway, the point is both adaptations left out the four dissenting pigs. Hmm. They weren't given any names in the book, but after Snowball was driven into exile, there were four dissenting pigs that would always try to contradict Napoleon's tactics and would speak out. Mm -hmm. And eventually those pigs were taken out as dissidents. Mm -hmm. And practically. Exactly. Very practically. And thou, those, I, that's the thing. He doesn't. He has the support of most of the pigs because the pigs are benefiting. Yeah. But Napoleon did have opposition, and they kind of left that out of the of every adaptation, which I think is a sad thing to do because that's kind of the whole idea is that even though there's this pig, you know, this powerful figure taking control, there are people standing up to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They check their privilege. Um. There's some. I want to say there's something else too, but I want to that I wanted to mention about. Um, 
I think I think if I was uh, assembling an adaptation today, I'd pick Studio Ghibli to do the oh, animation. Oh, yes. And Guillermo del Toro as yes, the director. Yes! Andy um. Serkis has op- has, uh, is in developing an adaptation. Boom. <gasps> Done. Yeah. Good. Amazing. Yeah. That Mowgli movie he's doing, because he's doing his own Jungle Book. I uh, know. I'm Brothers. so intrigued oh. by him. I'm very curious about that, but... I, I trust, if anyone's going to do it, I trust him because I definitely was figuring I would, the only way to really do it justice is because the, the Hallmark one features really ugly looking puppets and yeah. animatronics. Right. The way you do it now, you take, you, you motion capture actual farm animals so you can put yeah. their uh, movements into yeah. the yeah. actors. Yeah. All the live action animal movies for Disney. Now. Exactly. Well, you either do that or you fully realize these characters as humans. And, Ooh, and, yes. and do that like type that of adaptation, would... which could be really interesting and also um, extremely of the time. Yeah, exactly. I, like I, the idea being that they're workers on the farm on like a on a mass on a yeah. on a, on a, on a, yeah. on a huge plantation style farm. Well, that's, that's what Clover is. She is a workhorse. Yeah, exactly. I think the I think the nice thing about having the animals doing is it makes the fable aspect of it. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Circus does with it, because I'm assuming that's going to be based on the success of Mowgli <laughs> as well. Um, we'll see. We'll anyway, see. Uh, then I wanted to, the other thing I wanted to talk about was animalism. Was it always doomed? Or could it have worked? Uh, Not so much communism or socialism, because that's an entirely different right, right. Uh, podcast <laughs> we could do. But it, in specifically it, it, the way it's um, set up in the book... The concept of animalism, which is an analogy, analogy for communism, the way that it's described by Old Major and the way that Snowball writes it out, would it have worked? If Napoleon hadn't been a dick, maybe. Only if, only if there was a greater emphasis on every animal being equal and thus receiving equal education. Because the, the entire reason they're able to rewrite these rules is because all these poor animals don't have the capability of reading and can't can't remember as well yeah. as they should. Yeah. I think that with that though, the sheep pay a play a big. I mean, it's kind of a little on the nose that the sheep are the one that yeah. are all like sure. Four legs <laughs> good, two legs bad, bad. Like you know, they they they, they straight up say that some animals just do not have the mental capacity to grasp um, not only the alphabet, like, even Boxer could only learn the first five letters, or four letters? Four letters, and then when he tried to do uh, the next four, he would begin to lose... He would lose the first four. So... Obviously, the same sort of comparison can't be made to to human minds, but that sort of is symbolic of how some people of certain privilege only have access to certain levels yeah. of education. I think comparing it to yeah. human minds, uh, I've had discussions with people like when the election was happening where people would be like, uh, well, there should be some kind of test that voters have to take um, to make sure that they're, um, you know, that they're able to vote. And I'm just like, well, what kind of questions would you put on there? Because whoever creates the test, they have the power. Yeah. Um, and you're instantly and shifting the bar as to what, you know, 
so that's what's kind of the difference there is that like democracy everyone needs to vote that's kind of the idea of like all animals are equal yeah. whether they are or not but <laughs> yeah it's it's just one of those things mm. that if your rules are only accessible through particular circumstance uh, then they are not it's not equal for everybody right so uh, that they were able to manipulate it le- later it's like you know four legs is good but two legs is better and you know the whole you know yeah. all animals are equal but some are more equal if you're able to r- make that a fact then you're you were never equal to begin with yeah right yeah. we were listening to a George Carlin thing the other day Nice. And yeah, I know, right? Always. And um, I miss that man so much. I do too. I would have voted for him for president in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> oh. Um, but Amen. he was going on one of his little rants, and this one was about um, the Bill of Rights. And he said something along the lines of, "They're not rights if they can be taken away. They're privileges. So we have a bill of privileges that can be changed at any given moment." And that kind of, like, just really kind of rang true. Yeah. Considering yeah. we had been reading this. But somewhat unrelated. I, I think near the end again, um, Clover, as she's, like, kind of off on her own, showing her moment of, of, of emotional-ness words. Um <laughs> she kind of goes back to what her idea of animalism was where, like, true animalism where every animal works to their ability and the strong help the weak and which, what would be like, what we would call true communism where everybody does their part and like, in the absence of greed or any sort of ulterior motive and I think that, like, if, if, if all the animals were that, that, that kind of like not even not self-centered but um, self-serving? yeah not, yeah not as self-serving as the pigs then maybe it might have worked but as soon as I kind of knew something was up as soon as they uh, as soon as the pigs took the, the, the milk the very first night that, that was like my, as soon as the milk uh-huh. disappeared, it was like um red flag. That was my point. That I that I the reason I brought it up is the pigs always thought more highly of themselves, and even though they were the most intelligent species on the farm, they always lorded that. They, there was a segment of them that always seemed to lord that. Snowball did his best, but even Snowball admitted, comrades, you know the the pigs are in need of the milk and the apples. Mm-hmm. So even he was willing to concede. Specialty, special privileges for the pigs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where animalism was always kind of doomed to fail is because even the best pig, Snowball, okay. was still willing to concede these special privileges for the pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was apparently, according to the wiki article for the book, um, part of it, part of the inspiration for this was actually based on Orwell visiting uh, farms around England. And do you th- how do you think this works as a story about animal welfare and the treatment of farm animals? Um, I, I, I think it's really easy to uh, see there's a hierarchy of the animals on a farm, uh, especially if there's more than one type of farm. 
uh, one type of animal on a farm. Uh, you know, the, the animal that's going to do the most for you or reap the most profit is going to get the most benefits. So, like, a draft horse is going to get more benefits than, say, a duck? Probably, yeah. Unless it's Christmas. Christmas means change. carnage! <laughs> if one of you makes us read that book, I will kill you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait, what's, what book? Christmas Carol. Babe. Oh no! I was I was thinking babe. You eat Sorry. ducks at Christmas. I know. I I think there is a babe novel, but I will have to look into that. I would that. assume so. They made noveliz. They make. They used to make novelizations of literally all of the movies. True. That might be a. That would be its own cycle. Is doing novelizations. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of, of of books adapted to movies, which it, sounds obvious now that I say it out loud. Yeah. Call me Captain. Books adapted to movies adapted yes. to books. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something. Normally they don't do that. Normally it's for stuff that's either like based on a TV, like if it's based on an original story or if it's like based on maybe a comic or something, they'll adapt it into, uh, like they, they did, um, the main ones I remember are novelizations for like Alien and Aliens and the Star Wars movies got their own adaptations. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's a... I believe most of the Star Trek movies got novelizations. Yeah, yeah I think it's... Um, so I think those are the big, and then of course the big thing is, it it, it was this, is this kind of story always going to remain timeless, or do you think we'll reach a point where what we're seeing in this book won't almost won't ring true to some extent? I think it. Well, I'm a timeless, Benjamin, so <laughs> it's timeless. I'd say I I think there's many things that we could have. We had a better knowledge of more historical things i would and say you could you know attach it to everything else oh yeah and even if we didn't have the understanding that this was based on something that already happened it could always happen absolutely so this type of dystopian society future is uh, always going to be a possibility yeah and i think that's kind of also why i like the book is that it depicts the rise of a character like this, so that you can always see where the you know what points in that in that rise to power. So mm -hmm. you know, and if you pay attention, you know what to look for. Hmm. I have a question. I'm curious to ask people that yes. if you were an animal on this farm and you can't be a pig, if you were an animal. Uh, what? Who do you think you'd actually end up being? Not who you'd like to be. But where do you think you would probably fall? I stand by my assertion that I am Benjamin. Yeah, uh, Dex would be another, uh, would be a, what are they I'm called? a jackass. No, the jackass, yeah, well, yeah you'd be the jackass. <laughs> yeah, you'd be the jackass. Self-professed and... jackass. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'll probably be a goat, because I like <laughs> to be. Meh. <laughs> I think um, I think I'd probably ooh. end up being a Molly because uh, I thought it was really smart oh, yeah, of her. Molly. Like oh. I mean, poor Molly. Well, no, I don't think mm. it's poor Molly necessarily because she got out of it and everyone else was in right. it. So I thought she mm. was. I mean, yeah, she's uh, taken the easy way Selfish, out. Selfish but it's smart. Also, self-preservation, and I think <laughs> in a lot of situations in history, yes. the people who escaped are the people who survived to tell the story. 
And I think I think Mm -hmm. that was you know, she's not painted as a laudable figure, but I think that's who I'd end up being. (laughs) I I'm I'm not sure where I'd end up specifically. I'd wanna say I'd be along the lines of Dex and be a jackass like Benjamin. But at the same time, like part of me is there is a definite part of me that is more like boxer. Because I would I I am I love to help Work harder, John. Yeah, exactly. That's what I that's the problem See, is that I don't work hard enough. Would be best buds and I'd help keep you grounded. Exactly. And try to Yay. keep them from killing you and fail. Yep. That, that that honestly sounds about right. Well thank you for your vote of confidence. <laughs> none of your ability get none of your none of your ability not to save me, I, but in the fact that you would do your best and I, they would still get That's me. what I liked about this this book. Another thing I really enjoyed about it is that because it takes it away from people and like actual occupations and things like that, uh, you can more easily remove yourself from what it's uh, trying to match up with and you can kind of reverse engineer it and be like, you know, I really relate to that character despite the fact that in real life, like, that's probably not me, but I think that's actually how I'd end up. I don't know. Makes you think about what's happening a little differently. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that we need to discuss? I mean, we've covered most of the big stuff, the correlations with history, the politics mm-hmm. behind it, and even, you know, some of our more favorite stuff about it, and even some insight into who we are as people. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's yeah. like a really dark BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> Which character, character from Animal Farm are you? <laughs> to answer these random questions that don't, that don't ma- matter to the answer at all. It's a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> um, I, I think... I, I, the only thing I'll say is going back to the adaptations, I watched both of them. Uh, the main one, the one for the fifties, is more readily available on YouTube. But the one from the from one, the one from Hallmark Channel in nineteen ninety nine, you can watch for you can rent. Um, the animated one, I I could rewatch on a loop. I just love everything about it. It's it's feature length. Uh, I'll have to check it's, that um, out. It's about feature. It should be feature length. I don't think it's. It's more than an hour, but I don't remember if it's like seventy-two minutes. So honestly, it's about as long as Bambi was. Uh, if we're being honest, but um, the animated one captures the feel, even though it's not more directly correlated with the novel. So that's not a real direct adaptation. It's more capturing the, but it better captures the idea. The idea is being spouted. And the only, the only thing was like like I said, the endings are both. They try to do a happy ending of sorts. The the, the ending there is no happy yeah. ending with this book. Yeah, it's like 1984. Exactly, but at the That's same time, the like the fifties one has like a counter revolution against Napoleon at the end, led by Benjamin. And the <laughs> one from and the Hallmark one has this weird core like they introduce television as a means of like propaganda for napoleon the pigs speak start to speak english weird. and then it turns into this weird propaganda film for napoleon before his entire regime collapses weird. it's a weird ending that doesn't make any damn sense you know i feel like if there was going to be a counter-revolution it would be more led by clover with benjamin being her lieutenant yeah. I would make more sense. And see, I think I would right. be a clover. Oh, crap. We didn't get your answer, Diana. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I can see Diana as a clover. I'm a clover. 
I think I, it's interesting that we all ended up as ungulates, essentially. Yeah. I was, I was very very hesitant about admitting to be a Molly because the way she's depicted in the book is just, she's just, she can't resist without her ribbons and her trinkets. Well, for but, sure. I don't know. That'd be me. I've, I've worked with the immigration system. I'd be able to get out. In a material <laughs> world. Huh. Yeah. Power corrupts, kids. Yep. Truth yep, back. Yep, yep. Yeah, power, absolute power. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Yep. So there yeah. we go. Um, but anyway, I would recommend the 1954 animated one. That's the one I like. The 1999 Hallmark one is very ugly because it, use, it uses those weird, ugly animatronics and then the mix with live-action animals. And it's also not very... Even though it's got the better cast, because, like I said, there was Patrick Stewart. Ian Holm is Squealer, so Bilbo is... Sque- oh, old, Bil- really? old Bilbo is Squealer. Um, wow. Julia Louise Dreyfus is... Um, I think she's Molly. Oh, my... Yeah, 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 Julie Louis. Elaine, how could Pete you? Postlethwaite plays both Farmer Jones and Benjamin the Donkey. Okay. Um, hmm. So I mean, it's a great cast, except the movie is not very good. So it's it's a it. That's that's the case with a maybe lot of movies. Yep. Maybe <laughs> maybe one of the reasons this perhaps isn't good is because perhaps they tried to make it. When did you say it was made? Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. I don't know. Maybe there, there, there was something happening uh, politically. <laughs> where that was the end of the that was the end of, that was towards the end of the Clinton administration. So I mean, yeah. it was also made for Hallmark. Uh-huh. But we were, so I it was, was all, little, so, it, so I don't really know what was going on back then. I was this was right after his scandal broke, <laughs> uh, the Lewinsky scandal. But the thing is, it's it's a more accurate. Yeah, Napoleon didn't have a Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was a it's a it's, a, it's trying to be a direct adaptation. It's so there's you. It fe- actually features Clover and Molly as characters, mm-hmm. but it also it also features Moses the Raven, and um, and Pilkington, and that's the other thing we didn't talk about the neighboring farms, Pilkington and uh, Frederick. I right. think. Yeah, that 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 bit like they're always being pitted against each other, and oh, we're going to 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 to, to go into align war. with this one. No, this one reminded me just of 1984 and the constant war with either which I forget the other I haven't read 1984 so I'm a bad reader bad John work harder I must work harder (laughs) Um, he also Boxer also has that line in the movies in the 1999 movie so the the Hallmark TV movie is more accurate but the 1954 animated movie is more in spirit with the book. Okay, that makes sense. So I'll and I'm, I'm now that I now that uh Diana brought up um, Mr. Circus, good old Mr. Circus is making him is making one. I am HFR 3D. Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> HFR 3D. Is that is that the kind of camera? Uh, high frame. Oh, he's making it like he he. he so he's gonna try and make it like the that first Hobbit movie. Oh, like the sixty frames per second. That's what it looks like. A high frame rate three D. Ooh. Oh boy. Cool. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out if he's still able to do it. But 
I, I, there's still possibility for a, a good adaptation of this movie. Yes. And, and I think it's definitely more prescient nowadays. Absolutely. So, uh, I think that about covers it, which means this is the end of our first cycle. Yay! And Yay. We start up. Our next episode Yay. starts up with Melody again. Right. And Are we gonna she recommend also or gets... not recommend them? Yeah. Are oh. we gonna do that? I I think this is recommended. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Just cause... yeah, I think so. I'm probably gonna read it again. I own it now. I own a copy now, so I, I can read it whenever I want. Um, does anyone here not recommend it or it's not or would find. not read again? I'm probably gonna read it again just because it's kind of cute in a disturbing way. I mean, <laughs> I had read it and then back then I was like, I'm probably not gonna read it again. I read it again because. I mean, I don't regret. I'm just someone. I just like reading new things. I'm I'm a bad rereader unless I really, 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 really love it. I'm not gonna reread it. But I could see like yeah. if I had a kid in the future, I'd probably bring along with them <laughs> when they have to read it for school. Make sure they're a little older. I would no, not, I'm saying yeah, when I, I have a kid in middle old. school who has to because this that, is a typical required reading, I would read it along yeah. with them. That would be more appropriate. I, I could not see. It. And then Napoleon had the dogs tear out the tear out the sheep's neck. Good night, Billy. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we all. Rec- I think we all recommend it. And I think mo- uh, if we had the chance to reread it, we probably would. Especially if you haven't read it, just yeah, it's read quick. It now. It's a quickie. I think I probably read it in under five hours. <laughs> It's a novella, and it's in ten chapters. I yeah. don't think it. I don't think it breaches a hundred pages. No. Exactly. No. So it's a quick read too. Um, so yeah, uh, this brings an end to our cycle, and uh, that means Melody's uh, going to pick our next book, and she's also going to pick our first <laughs> cycle. Oh, I love Do you want to? Yes, listen listen up, students, because we are going to do some required reading for the next. (laughs) next Ah, crumple up up paper, throw it. (laughs) Next cycle's required reading, um, which I mainly picked because there is a book from high school that I remember absolutely hating. Um, That'll be our first book that we read because I get to choose all the first things. And um, I picked My Aunt Tania. You hate us, don't you? by Willa Cather, and I had to read that in ninth grade for summer reading, and everyone knows summer reading is, like, the worst assignments you can get, because even if the books are good, you either rush through them, don't do them, read the cliff notes, and then you subsequently end up hating it because you didn't understand it while you were trying to learn it for a test. So I remember having these very strong feelings about this book. I hated it for some real deep reason, and I'm excited to come back to it as an adult and see if I actually like it. <laughs> fun, fun All sign right. up. That'll also be uh, the, re- the that'll also be my reason, uh, my experience with my pick for this cycle. But we'll get into that when we get yeah, into. So all the, all the books in the cycle would be things that are typically assigned uh, in school to read. Yes. So. So that so stay tuned for that, readers. I, I'm calling our I'm calling our audience readers. That's, I've decided that <laughs> I have deigned that okay. as producer of this podcast that our audience shall be known now and henceforth uh, henceforth as readers. That's fair. I should hope so. That's kind of the point. <laughs> yep. Isn't it? Otherwise, yep. you're listening to a bunch of people for a really weird reason. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that, yeah. I love listening. Yeah, I was gonna say I love listening to people talk about their ability to read. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I'm guessing that eventually there will be a Criminal Minds episode about that sort of. Oh wait, there has been. <laughs> you turn that page. Slower. No, there is a Criminal Minds episode about a guy targeting women because of a book that they read. Hmm. That that's, doesn't that's, surprise me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think it's about time we end this train wreck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Sorry, did I take it too far? Uh, so we, so you can all check us out on our social media. We should be active. Uh, Facebook.com slash living in the stacks. Twitter.com uh, at in the stacks cast. Instagram at living in the stacks cast. And on Tumblr.com slash living in the stacks podcast. I still am not, have not picked up Tumblr. I do not know, you know if it's what? still a you, thing. You want I don't think to we be need the to. You can be Tumblr. You can be our Tumblr-er. I'll, I'll be the Tumblr-er. Uh, and, of course, we'd like to thank uh, Dream States for doing the lovely theme for our, for our podcast. Not only do they have um, their original debut album, Parts 1 and 2, available on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and wherever else music is streamed, they also started a they also released a second lp which i have forgotten the name of because i am terrible uh it's the one with the, it's a kitty i think it's oh, no, it's a kitty on a guitar does. in uh space that's what i remember and it's yes. uh where where did the, i somehow scrolled in my itunes library all the way down to the w's with weird al yankovic so I'm gonna have to cut all this out. Uh, <laughs> Balls. <laughs> uh, Drifters. There's Dream States, but I didn't get the. Why didn't I get the 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 second one? Why is the second one not on my thing? I didn't get. See more by Dream States. There, I'm about to go to the iTunes You're music. a fake fan. Fake. And you never. Got I'm a it. fake Dream States fan. Oh, it's also not on iTunes. That would be why. So now I have to go to their Facebook page. Go to Dream States. It's the cover of their <coughs> mode of being. Oh. There. Called it. Yep. Uh, so, so not only is there. Uh, uh, debut album available on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and wherever else music is streamed. You can also check out their new LP, Mode of Being, which features a cute little kitty on a guitar in space, which I believe, which I believe is available through uh, their Bandcamp currently, which is I think why I didn't see it on iTunes. So it's right now available mainly through their Bandcamp, uh, DreamStatesBand.Bandcamp.Com. And they've also added a third member, uh, which was one of Natalie's uh, uh, friends growing up and has been uh, sort of a uh, musician on the previous couple of albums. So they've gone from a duo to a trio, and I love it. That's really cool. Cool. Friends too, isn't he? I think think they're non-binary. Okay. Well, the the, the entire band is made up of... um, me. Uh, his percussion. I don't. I have no idea. But same as male. That identifies as male. That's what's important. Okay. So who? Okay. So, give, give, uh, yeah. And so yeah. The premises. They're all trans individuals, which is fucking phenomenal. Yes. 
They're, and they also and they're then they're just and so that's a trans band that makes great music and you should all check them out because they are amazing. Yay, positive representation. <sighs> Woo! Yay. And uh, I before I do my other plugs, I'll let uh, everyone else do theirs. Alright, um you can just contact me on Twitter at, at minikui at M-I-N-I-K-U-I. That's it. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, at Maxalotl67. I don't tweet. I am not a twit. Well, okay, I'm a bit of a twit. But I don't tweet. <laughs> and um, you're better for it. I will probably be taking over the Tumblr, our Tumblr account, though. So, probably fill that cool. with, like, nerd stuff. Because nerd stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Book-related Book-related nerd stuff. Cool. Um still kind of trying to work on podcast ideas but that's still in the vague like not even in, not even infancy like embryonic gestation yeah there still kind of at conception yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah you're talking about having a baby you're not even you haven't even waited yeah. for ovulation We're, we, to start we, yet you know we haven't even gotten the dog <laughs> that leads up to the baby yet <laughs> Actually, this is kind of the dog that leads up to the baby. So you're planning yeah. on getting a dog that'll lead up to sure. the baby. <laughs> kind of, yes. Uh, and then Diana? Uh, yeah, you can find me at Modcaster on Twitter. Um, and you can find all of my podcasts I do with my husband at Macintosh and Mod, which John's going to be on here pretty soon. He's going to be on my little pony what? podcast. Oh, no. Yes, I'm going to be. Dude. I'm going to be doing the. Po- We're talking about super ponies. Yeah, power ponies. Yay, ponies! And uh, and, uh, you can find me... uh, I'm assuming by the time this comes out, it will probably be toward the end of July, so we're going to be doing... I'm probably going to be doing uh, Mission Impossible by that point. And uh, as of this... The weekend of this recording is when Jurassic World came out. So, to give you an idea (laughs) of... uh, And Dex and Max saw my scathing review of it, so... I'm not not sure who I'm nodding at. Um, but you can follow me there. So I'm Popcorn Junkie. I'm still working on getting that. Uh, I I'm much much like I'm unfortunately have the work ethic of a Benjamin, but I need to be that of a boxer because I need to get edited stuff for not only this but uh, my D and D podcast because I want to get that up and running. Hmm. I want to get that up and running again. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then of course you can always follow up all of our other fine programming. At uh, GumbyCatNetworks.com. Uh, one of my, uh, one of the people, couple of the guys I d- uh, do D and D with have started a, um, have been do, well, not started. They have been doing a Rip Tracks Mystery Science Theater three three thousand style uh, um, show called Cinematic for the People, and they actually released their first podcast on our on Gumby Cat. So keep an eye out for that as well. Awesome. So yeah. Uh, and, and of course, our our president and founder, uh, Vanessa, who runs the Oddities Las Vegas uh, shop, has started has been doing um, sort of a, a, a podcast about that, working at that place called Odd Nevada. So, all cool stuff. Love Don, check out Donna's stuff with uh, Snarkast, where she covers horror, Buffy, uh, Supernatural, and just all nerd, all kinds of nerdy stuff. Be sure to share it with your friends. Let people know that you like this show. And, uh, you know, five-star rating and reviews on iTunes and whatnot. And share us on social media. You know how to do the things. So do the things. 
So you have fun. Yes. Uh, to leap to the thing. Uh, until next time, I'm John. I'm Melody. I'm Max. I'm Dex. And I'm Diana. And you'll find us living in the stacks. Welcome to Living in the Stacks, a bi-weekly podcast, and I fucked up already. Right, <laughs> okay. uh, and see, you wanted to sit, like, this way I wanted to have it up on, on the <laughs> Yep. And last okay. week, and yeah. Hmm, try this again. Okay.